Welcome to Gen Z Warriors, a part of the Gen Z Podcast Network. Today, I'm here with Selim Malukbe, the Santa Cruz Warriors second round draft pick, former APU Cougar, an UNO aficionado, and my friend. Selim, how are you doing? How's everything been since the G League bubble? Doing well, Tim. Doing well. Thank you for having me. It's been good. Um, I've mainly been rehabbing my knee. Um, second to last game, unfortunately, I sprained my MCL. So um, that's kind of taken the bulk of my time in terms of working out and you know, exercising to that extent. But um, other than that, you know, been able to spend lots of time with my family as well as uh, helping out coaching at the high school level with JV and varsity. So that's that's what I've been what I've been doing for the most part, and that's kind of what's been uh, preoccupying most of my time since uh, post bubble life. <laughs> I'm sorry about the MCL injury. I didn't I didn't know that. I, did, I saw that you were out for the last couple of games with an injury, but wasn't sure what happened. Before we get into all the Santa Cruz stuff, I want to take it back to your college career. I got the chance to see you for your first two years, and I followed your last two. But every year, you showed like incredible year-over-year growth. What what was your mindset going into each off-season to prepare for what was coming next? I would say lifting and outside of that, just really working on all facets of my game and watching film, you know, breaking it down with my coaches. I think that was, that was something that was huge for me. I think after my sophomore year, I kind of realized, you know, what I could do if I really work on my game, seeing various different people both on on our team as well as other teams in our conference do certain things in terms of playing at the next level professionally kind of opened my self to the idea that it's possible essentially I'm close you know but obviously that I needed a lot of work to even you know kind of put my foot in the door if that makes sense so thankfully I had a lot of people around me coaches players trainers that around me that were willing to help me get there and that that was huge for me because with, without them you know I couldn't have done it there's always definitely a great support system at APU and you know you were lucky to even when coach Leslie left you had Peter Bond who was just a great guy to take over so really really great staff Kind of like so many people across the nation, you had your senior year cut off due to the coronavirus pandemic. You guys had just won the PacWest Championship. You were set to head into the NCAA tournament. What was that moment like for you and your team? It was tough. It was very tough. When the when we got the you know the plug pulled, we were in practice, you know, getting ready to play the next day for our fir- you know our first round game, and something that kind of stuck in my mind was that you know like 20 minutes before we ended we went five on five live like full court and that's something we never do especially before a game and so none of us really kind of knew honestly like we're all clueless like we we just we just play you know we we trust p and his game plan and what you know what we got to do so we don't ask no questions we just play right and so we're playing 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 and then we finally finished and we had this tradition for our seniors that when we finish, you know, our last practice, so to speak, because, you know, if we lose, we go home. If we win, we continue. We run a suicide. And so Pete gets us all ready. You know, he's like, all right, like, let me get my seniors on the baseline. And then he starts, he starts, he t- starts tearing up. And I was like, that's kind of, because we all knew, you know, the type of team we had and that that wasn't going to be our, no disrespect to our opponent, but like, that wasn't going to be our last game. And so he starts tearing up. Um, gets emotional and then we go on the line when our suicide come back and that's when he kind of broke it down for us that you know hey like 
an hour into practice, you know, I got the news that we're done and that our season's over. And so after that, we had a moment, like probably 30 minutes on the court together, just circled up, sharing some of our favorite moments from the season, some things we loved about the team, some things that we were going to miss and like some takeaways as well. I think one of the things that kind of marked our team as something special had nothing to do with our record or how we did, how well we did on the court, but how well we were connected and how much we cared for one another. I believe every time we stepped on the court, we made the other guy next to us better. And we had a, a true love for each other, one through 16, one through 18, um, players, coaches, and as well as staff, that was unparalleled. And like that, that's really what made our team so special and obviously translated, translated onto the court. You know, I still talk to all of my teammates. Um, we still keep in touch. Um, that's, that's a bond, that's a brotherhood that's gonna, that's gonna last a lifetime. And, you know, although we didn't get to end it how we wanted it, how we dreamed, how really every, every basketball player dreams of, you know, playing, playing in the tournament, it was, it was somewhat of a solace that, you know, we did accomplish, still accomplish some great things and that we were able to build some really special relationships along the way. You guys were just a great group of guys I can remember from being around you. I'm like, these are, these are some solid dudes. You know, you mentioned just talking about some of the memories and reliving them. If you had to pick one thing from your college career, what's, what's your favorite memory? Oof, oof, that's, that's a tough one because there's, there's a lot of good ones. I would probably say, I can't even remember the game, but I remember when we were up, you know, a solid amount. So the starters came out and sat the bench and our, our second unit, um, you know, was in there and they were playing phenomenally. You know, they were, they were getting stops on D, they were hitting great shots, they're moving the ball. And I just remember being so excited and um, cheerful and, just enthusiastic to see that success and cheer them on, on the bench, just like they, they had done for us, you know, um, both in times when we were successful and in times when, you know, things came down to the wire and, you know, we lost a game or something like that. Just being supportive, being a great teammate. And that's just something that, you know, I'll, I'll always cherish. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of, we had a lot of great moments. Um, so to pick one is hard, but that was definitely one I'm, I'm fond of and that I'll, I'll always cherish. No, I, I love that because especially as someone like I played with the second unit or even third in my career. And it's like when the starters show you that kind of love, the guys that get a lot of minutes show you that love. It just kind of reaffirms to you that you're important on the team, because like you said, one through 16 is important and you can't get oh, where you are without them. So that's always a that's always a special moment. So now taking it into getting ready for your pro career after your college career ended, what did you do to get ready leading up to the G League draft? That, that's, a that's a tough one, especially because it was, you know, mid-COVID, you know, quarantine lockdown. I still had another semester of school to finish and I had a job. So juggling all those three things was, was difficult. I'm not going to lie, but to prepare, it was really just kind of, trying my best to maintain my body. So although gyms weren't available, although courts weren't available, although I didn't have access to those things, I quote unquote would need to be prepared and successful. Uh, I felt like I did my absolute best to find a way to do those things regardless, you know? So maybe instead of going to the, to the gym, I was, I was in outdoor courts instead of, um, 
you know, being able to lift and stuff, I would be, I'd be doing sand work. I'd be doing stairs. I'd be riding my bike. I'd be swimming and doing pole workouts all on my own because I couldn't afford trainers and stuff like that. And the ones that were available were, were very expensive and the ones that weren't, didn't have the facilities, you know, so on and so forth. So I feel like the thing that kind of encapsulates it all is really just kind of like finding a way. It wasn't always easy, but like I said, that kind of self-discipline and that desire to, you know, be as prepared as I can. And that's, that's the big thing too, is like, I, I didn't know if I would get that, that opportunity. Like it was all like being ready in case, but I felt like I would rather err on that side of caution and, and be ready and working on my skills and being ready if that opportunity does arise, as opposed to kind of flipping that coin, like, ah, it, it'll, it may happen, it may not, but, and if it, if it did, then, you know, not being ready. And if it didn't, then it was like, oh, okay, well, I didn't waste all that time, you know, so. Yeah, that's kind of the route I, I took and how I, you know, did my best to to stay ready for when that opportunity, thankfully, did arise, you know, with the Santa Cruz Warriors. Yeah, I was really excited when I learned that, you know, they had drafted you. So take us through that moment. What what was it like when you got that call? I feel like the, the number one word I could use to describe it was a whirlwind. Um, it was It was a great feeling. It was... It was a surprise really, but it was, it was a whirlwind. Um, the first contact I had with the Warriors organization was two days before the draft. So before that I had, you know, contact with various different teams, you know, at different levels, you know, some just calling, you know, my agent saying they're interested in others actually conducting an interview with me all to say that, you know, and went from that to kind of like crickets because of how the, the G League bubble was organized, the amount of teams that, were playing in it and the and the size of the draft pool and how large it was right mm -hmm. and so taking all of that into account Saturday you know like I said two days before the the Monday draft I get a call from my agent saying that they would like to interview me and that they're interested in possibly drafting me and I was at work and so I'm at work haven't had my lunch break yet I, I tell my manager and thankfully you know I had a really I have still do have a really good relationship with my managers there at Lowe's and so you know they kind of, I kept them up to date in terms of what was going on and like the prospect that I'd be potentially leaving very soon. And so they had no problem with, you know, letting me have, it ended up being close to three hours one day and then the next day, another hour, half, two hours, all of which they were interviewing me. And so, you know, I'm on the clock interviewing on the phone, you know, with the, on, on Zoom call with, you know, the whole organization. And they're just, you know, peppering me with questions, trying to get to know me, trying to get a feel for me and whatnot and uh and the call um and then after that uh ryan atkinson the gm calls me again just to ask a couple more questions and some stuff regarding my my medical history and stuff like that um before he realizes like, oh like my fault are you at work right now i was like yeah but like it's okay like i let him know he's like oh okay like i'm sorry i didn't mean to take it away from you like like go ahead go back like we'll we'll, we'll you know we'll contact you again if we have any more questions um thank you for your time and i was like i appreciate it no problem and then, so the next day followed up with, like I said, medical clearance stuff. Um, and that's kind of where, where we left it. And it was like, yeah, you know, just, uh, we'll keep in touch. And, you know, like I said, there's a possibility, you know, we may select you. So draft day rolls around. And one of the questions they had asked me was, uh, was that, do I, do I know the size of the draft pool and like, you know, kind of what that entailed and like, why should we pick you? And like, I won't really go into my answer of why, but cause that's kind of personal, but I didn't look at the draft pool. I don't know, for whatever reason. So Monday rolls around. I was like, maybe I should take a look. So I did. And it was deep. 
it was I just list of all these players. A lot of them I recognize because I I'm a fan of collegiate basketball, and so you know D1, mostly D1, um, some other D2s, but and as well as professional free agents. So a lot of people that came back and play um, and um, had kind of established themselves and had a reputation, so on and so forth. And so I'm looking at this thing, and it's like I said, it's so it's it's very extensive. And so at that moment, I kind of realized like, oh, the chance is really kind of small, you know. At that point, the only other team that I felt like had a, I had a chance of landing with was the Cavaliers, mm-hmm. um, because like I said, they had they had interviewed me. And so draft day rolls around. I'm refreshing it because it's not like how how you see the you know at the at the league level. It's just kind of a, a like a like almost like an article, and then the names kind of slowly like fill in, you know. And so I refresh it. It's the first eight names and Cavaliers had like the first three picks. So like second, fourth and fifth. So right off the bat, I saw I wasn't going to them because they, you know, they made their picks and I wasn't on there. So I was like, well, you know, I got one more shot. And that's, that's, what, that's what the Yankees were in second round. I think it was like the total, like, I want to say 20 something pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And finally I refresh it and boom, my name, like, instead of going to going say or Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz Warriors, pick pending it you know changed to my name and I was I was I was shook you know I was just like no way like I didn't even get a phone call like is it real like are they playing with me you know um so I was really I was really excited really ecstatic and then I got that phone call obviously from Ryan Atkinson our GM um letting me know that they had selected me and uh just kind of introducing me and uh welcoming me uh, to the team kind of after that initial shock and like excitement I was kind of like pivoted to like a, a focus of like all right you know I'm I got my foot in the door now, right? So it's like, now that my foot's in the door, I kind of have to do what I need to, to make the make the most out of that opportunity that I've now been given. Um, and so that's that's kind of, you know, my perspective of how things kind of unfolded um, from, like I said, those two days before the draft to draft day. Like you said, it was a whirlwind and that's just a crazy story, but I gotta tell you, when I saw that they picked you, I like reached out to everyone in the organization I knew, because before I was doing stats for Golden State, I was at Santa Cruz, and I was like, oh my gosh, you guys just drafted Selim, like he's the best, like you not only got a great player, but you just got the best person, like the PR department, Chris Murphy, the Santa Cruz Warriors president, and yeah, everyone said they heard nothing but great things about you, so I was really happy for you to get that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's really sweet of you. I appreciate that. So it was a pretty quick turnaround, I think, from getting drafted to going to the bubble. What did you guys do as a team to prepare for that? So most of what we did was quarantine. Um, so we we flew two weeks after the draft. We flew to Santa Cruz, um, quarantined for a week. We weren't able to really even meet each other. Honestly, it was really just in passing had to test uh, negative, obviously, consecutive times in a row. Then we flew over to Orlando, quarantined for another four days before we were able to, like I said, even be introduced all in the same room type thing and be together. So after that, um, we started training camp. And traditionally, training camp would be at least, I believe, a month, if not a couple of weeks, you know. Um, but this year, it was one week. <laughs> and so we had a week um, of practicing and training, getting familiar with the plays, getting familiar somewhat with the players and play style, things like that. Before we started, you know, jumped into our first game with uh, G League Ignite. So that was kind of mostly the extent of our preparation together. But I feel like that is also something that 
developed as the season went on. You know, um, we our first, I want to say six games, we were somewhere around like three and three at one point. We, we were four and two, so, something, don't quote me on that, but something along the lines of we had lost quite a few games in a short span, you know, but I remember distinctly <laughs> one of the things that JP said, Jordan Poole, and he was like, 13 and four don't sound so bad, does it? You know, and that's that we had a lot of games still left and um, we hadn't fully clicked, if that makes sense. Um, you know, I think over the course of such a short season, it was hard to get a feel for our teammates early on, but towards the end of the season, that really showed, you know, that kind of connectivity and the togetherness that we played with and had, um, so. Yeah, no, once you guys got rolling, you you were really rolling. The team looked really good. You got all the way to the semifinals game before, you know, unfortunately losing, but it was a fun team to watch for sure. So once you got to, you know, that mode of playing games, what was your day-to-day -day in the bubble like? So game days were actually pretty lax for the most part because it was really just centered around preparation. So, you know, game days would be, be wake up, uh, breakfast, team meeting, then treatment, whether that be stretching or if you have an injury, you know, being that um, looked at and treated, pregame lift if we had it, uh, correctives, um, and then lots of hydration, making sure we're ready for the game, scouts, making sure we're on top of that in our game plan. And then from there, you know, we would uh, bust over to the game just about two hours before, you know, do things like get tape, get warm, go through our, our warm-up routine, which included things like shooting, dribbling, and defensive positioning, things like that. And then we'd play. And so, you know, later games that we play later in the night or later in the day, it'd be kind of just waffling around, just kind of waiting till the to the game. Um, games we played, I think, I believe it was early as 11. It was, you know, wake up earlier, so six, and then kind of do all of what we had to in that chunk of time. And then post-game, uh, mostly recovery and, you know, kind of watching the other games and uh, getting ready for our next opponent. We had a lot of back-to-backs, I believe four. Um, so that's eight games. And so they, those can definitely take a toll, but it's it's one of those things it's like, you finish one, it's like, all right, on to the next one. You know, you got you to move quick. You know, it was always so much time. And so that was that was one thing that, you know, we had to be nails on was uh, transitioning, being able to transition quickly, um, whether we lost or whether we won, you know, because both are as important, you know. You mentioned Jordan Poole, and there were a number of guys on your team that, you know, had prior NBA experience. You had Jordan and Nico coming down from Golden State. But one guy in particular, Jeremy Lin, uh, established NBA vet who has his famous Lin sanity. He's been on a number of different playoff teams. What were you able to learn from him, even though he's not the same position as you, but in particularly about the approach to being a professional? A lot, <laughs> a lot. I was able to learn a lot um, from Jeremy mainly because of what a phenomenal teammate he is what a phenomenal guy he is you know he's so willing to share the, the knowledge that um, he's learned over his you know vast uh, NBA career to me especially as a rookie 
you know, being my first year. And that was something I was, I was very grateful of. One, one thing, especially that stuck out to me that, that, you know, he, he taught me and the rest of the guys was to enjoy the journey. Like I said, we had, you know, front loaded a lot of quite a few losses um, onto our record. And so it was one of those things. It was like, we had to understand that obviously we have things to fix, you know, no one likes losing. Um, but, you know, we have, a lot more games ahead of us. And so we need to, you know, fix those things and move on. And not only that, but enjoy it along the way. Because, you know, if we if we can't enjoy the success we have on our way to what we wanted to, which is the championship, then when we get there, we're not gonna enjoy it anymore. In terms of things like professionalism, it was also huge because he was he was one of the main ones that was checking in on me and making sure my head was right in terms of times where, you know, I may not have played the, the whole game, but the next game, it's like, I may be starting, I may be, you know, coming right off the bench, but playing heavy minutes. And so, although I'm one more on the side that I'm okay with those things. And like, I'm, I'm more concerned about making an impact when I do get that time, as opposed to how much time I'm playing, if that makes sense. Right. Um, regardless, he was still there for me, making sure, you know, hey, just stay ready, you know, be focused, make sure you're on top of the game plan, cheering your teammates on and, you know, doing what you can, even if you're off, you know, even if when you're not in the game, you can still make an impact. Um, just little things like that. Like I said, I was, I was so grateful to have Jeremy on the team there with me because, because of the knowledge he, he was so willing to, to share with me. Phenomenal guy and just someone that's, that's very easy to follow. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a great leader and, you know, great leaders make it easy for others and teammates to follow them. Um, Absolutely. Like great words of wisdom from him. And I can say that when you did get your opportunities in the game, you, you did make the most of them, whether it was setting those solid screens, pick and roll for an alley-oop, being a rim protector on the defensive end. You know, as far as a rookie season goes, you, you really contribute to the team and was instrumental in, you know, getting to the semifinals. So it's fun to see. And I'm, I'm excited for what comes next for you. You know, this year has been particularly tough for a lot of people, but especially people of color. Jeremy Lin talked about his experience in the bubble. He was vocal about that. And it's unfortunate in this period where Asian hate has been so pronounced. But I want to ask you, what does it mean to you as a person of color, specifically a Black man, to get this platform to be a professional athlete, to use your voice, and to just really drive change from that? I'd say it's huge. Um, I'm honored. You know, I, I see it as a, as a, as a responsibility, and it's one of those things that I feel like has to be stewarded correctly. You know, I thought, and I think that you know Jeremy is doing a, an amazing job of exemplifying. You know what that looks like. I think that Jeremy is one to. You know, he'd be the first to say. You know, um, you know, he may not be 100% comfortable always, you know, speaking out or saying this or that, but it's one of those things that he knows he has that platform to, to show other people, to let them hear and to put in front of them important things that need to be discussed and seen. And, you know, I'm just so proud of him and so, just so happy to see that he's, he's doing just that and that he's, you know, kind of grown into using that platform and that role to to voice those things you know that need to be seen i think that for myself it's something i'm still learning 
and that like i said it's 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 a great responsibility but at the same time like it's it's an it's it's an honor to be able to like i said voice uh, matters that are that are important and that that need to be seen and heard and discussed and and talked about and not only that but then you know changed and movement behind that yeah i would say it's like i said it's it's a, it's an honor and something that you know every day learning from others and in a way cultivating you know to maximize yeah thank you for sharing that so what's next for you Selim? yeah first mm -hmm. season in the books behind you what what comes next mm -hmm. So for me, I think first and foremost, above anything else, is always going to be improvement. Um, the off season is is great because it's a time you can be selfish, and you should be selfish um, in terms of your development. Um, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. You know, whether it be strength conditioning, uh, on court shooting, uh, drills, and things that I know I'll be able to get in the game, or you know, things like watching film and understanding our system. Um, those are all things I'm going to be on top of um, this summer and kind of kind of working on to just improve my overall game. Um, in terms of like where I'll be playing next, it's somewhat of a toss up just because, you know, I would I would love to return uh, to the Santa Cruz Warriors, but I also know that the business side of things kind of dictates that that's not exactly set in stone um, and that, you know, they could waive me, they could trade me. Um, I could end up signing overseas. Um, all those things are possibilities, um, so I can't say for sure where I end up, but I can say for sure that wherever I do end up, uh, I'll be excited to do my best to make an impact and to show that I belong and to most importantly help my team win. Yeah, um, I for one as a, as a fan and as your friend can't wait to see what you're going to do. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show that you are an UNO aficionado. I had the privilege of watching you hand out numerous L's in college. Hand them out like hotcakes. <laughs> Have you still been playing? Yes, of course. Um, it's a little harder um, just because, one, the type of UNO I'm familiar with is spicy. I mean, there's obviously the traditional UNO, but I play spicy, you know, which just has a few different rules um, to it. So when you're playing with new people, they're most of the time skeptical at first, but once they start playing, they, they all eventually always end up loving it um, and they're hooked, so to speak. Um, but with that being said, um, with, you know, with COVID and like quarantine and social distancing and the fact that like their physical cards and you got to pass them out and all that stuff, it's not the easiest, uh, safest game to play, so to speak. Um, so I honestly haven't played in a while, you know, my cards are just kind of, kind of chilling there on my desk, but that's just for now, you know, pretty soon now, um, with the vaccinations and, you know, certain measures being lifted, mm -hmm. it'll be more of a, you know, feasible game to play. So it's, it's one of my personal favorites. Um, I understand if it's not everyone else's cause they're not good at it, which is like, <laughs> but <laughs> like I said, I, uh, I love it. You know, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I think that has the ability to really bring people together. You feel me? Mm -hmm. um, with that competitive spirit that uh, all us athletes have ingrained in us. 
Oh, yeah, I remember a number of games we played in college, just, you know, getting mad at one another for getting stacking spicy. the draw for it. That's yeah, right. Of course. Well, yeah. I can't wait till we get to a vaccinated world and you can start handing out those L's again. So. Yeah, again, that's the way. Well, thank you so much for coming on this podcast with me. This is my first interview for this newly launched show, and I couldn't have asked for anyone else to do this with so thank you Solomon like I said I'm very excited to see what you're going to do next thank you thank you like I said I appreciate you having me um for your first time you sound pretty rehearsed you sound pretty (laughs) polished I mean I gotta say you sound like a seasoned vet so um, I don't know if I'm buying that but like I said you you did phenomenal and like I said thank you I appreciate you having me on so